Hello, Stand Downers, and welcome to another fresh episode of the Stand Down Podcast, an exploration of the love-hate relationship of stand-up comedy with real stand-up comedians who love and hate it. I'm Daniel Reskin, one such of those humans. This is a quick apology. My audio on this one sucks. It sucks so bad. It sucks. It sucks. It's listenable. I did what I could to fix it, but I was recording out of the wrong microphone that I thought I was. Not this nice fancy boy here, but the crappy webcam mic. Pam's audio sounds wonderful. My audio sounds okay. Don't let it get in the way of a great interview. Just pretend it's 1995. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. We're going to jump into a great episode with Pam Bruno. All right, pretend like we're just meeting again. Just a- oh, hey, Pam, oh my God. Daniel, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> so nice to just randomly meet up here in this Zoom uh, room. Imagine, imagine that. Not planned or anything. All the Zooms in the world. You had to walk into mine. There you go. Uh, thank you for being here, Pam Bruno, our special guest. Thank you, Daniel. I'm really excited to see you and to be here. Yeah. How long has it been since we, I mean, since I left Miami, probably? That's, that's, I haven't talked to you, I haven't seen you since then. That's, and that's been like six-ish, seven, maybe years. No, no way. No way. Yeah, the time. It does that. And you're still there? You're in Miami? I'm still in the same spot. (laughs) Pretty much the exact same spot in my house. (laughs) Like I just pressed pause when I left, and now I'm pressing play. There you go. There you go. The only thing is my appearance seemed to have shifted. It's a thing. I'm, you know, I've got gray for days now. Well, I have gray for years. You got a bit on me. You got a bit on me. <laughs> you know, but silver foxes nonetheless. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on and talking to me and, and uh here to explore the love-hate of comedy and the ins and outs and ups and downs and starts and stops. Yes, yes. Um, Just to start, what is your current relationship with stand-up comedy? Well, we have taken a break from each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let me put it this way. I think comedy took a break from me long before I agreed with it. So comedy seemed to have wanted to break up with me, but it wasn't until COVID that I got the hint. (laughs) 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 However, just in the last week or so, I thought, you know, maybe I should just go to an open mic because I have written some stuff and I thought that is hilarious, which could be detrimental to my psychological and physical health if I go up and it's not hilarious. <laughs> but you just it's impossible to kick no matter how long you uh you know that once you activate that room in your brain there's always yeah. like, the light's always gonna be on even if you dim it. It's just... Why? Why? It's it's torture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it's it can be it can be be great when you're in the on the other side of it and you're either new to comedy or you're in a good place where things are working out but yeah yeah that is true (laughs) yeah i mean okay in all fairness to my ex-boyfriend quote unquote he did give me some good moments and a little bit of money. <laughs> so, but I wanted more. And that's, that's when it was like, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So why don't you just relax? <laughs> what for you? Because uh, just to we'll put a pin in that moment, like how long have you been doing stand up before then? I started in 1997, if you can believe it. Right. 
And um, I took a class. I was living in a small town in Iowa. And I took a class. This, this guy came to town. I don't know if you're familiar with the musical, The, Mo the Music Man. Mm -hmm. So this, it was like that. The Harold Hill of comedy came through town and convinced everybody they could be comedians. Yeah. And you were one of so them. I saw a, um, a show that his previous class put on, and I knew everyone who was in the show. So I thought, if they're funny, I will take his class. And they were pretty good because in normal life, they weren't funny at all. So I thought if they did well, then I'll take the class. So I took the class because they did well. And um, I got a good response from my show. And that was very bad because that made me want to keep going. <laughs> uh, it all could have ended there as if you had. <laughs> you could go back in time and just make yourself bomb and, and never deal with it, would you? I don't know. No, you know why? Because I would have been. De super depressed and I would have still probably tried it again anyway. Wow. Who knows? Hard to know. Cause after I've bombed this time, I was, I swear I will quit. Not this time, but many times. <laughs> and then I just start over and do it again. It doesn't phase you enough. It's not, it's not detrimental enough to bomb. You're somehow resilient to it. I guess, I guess. I mean, now I'm speaking in sort of past tense because it's a faint, distant memory. I'm kidding. It, I, I remember it as if it were an hour ago, how it feels to bomb. <laughs> how about you? <laughs> I do. I do too. I, I, uh, I took a break. Uh, my break started a little bit before the pandemic and it was very conveniently timed. Well, it, that's when I started my break. Right. Because um, I had written a one-woman show, and I mean, I don't know. It could have been the worst thing ever, but in my mind, there was potential. And so I was just trying to improve it and keep showing it so that I could tweak it and get it better. And um, I had one planned for the 22nd of March, which was very bad timing on that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. anyway, I just gave up on all of it. I mean, I did a few. Did you do any online mics? I did a few no, of those. I stayed away from. Did, did you uh, do one? I did a bunch. I actually enjoyed them, but I did a One <laughs> was a paid one. Not, not much, but Paid gig is a paid gig, as long as it's not drink tickets or something. Well, not, you know, $50. And so I was supposed to do, I don't even remember, 15 minutes, maybe, I don't even know. But the, the weird thing about it was it was for this guy's company that he worked for. And he was so excited about it. And I was like, these people probably don't even go to comedy shows, you know? And there were two audience members. <laughs> and one of them was definitely just checking her emails while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call a lurk, when someone has you on in the background. Oh, okay, like well, laundry. Yeah. they were definitely lurking, <laughs> so. You know, it was, it went as well as I expected, which was, I got through it. And I think maybe that girl laughed at one thing at the end. I don't know. I think I asked her a question directly or something. I don't even remember. Did she have a microphone on to hear her laughter? Because that's um, one of the weird things. It's like, is, is anyone mic'd? I've heard, I've seen like big rooms where they have a couple designated laughers. And because you can't. Well, see, that's the other weird thing because the designated laughers, you just get a feeling like they're trying to be nice, you know? And so. Laugh. <laughs> yeah. 
So you, there's no way to tell really if your new material was working. <laughs> <laughs> it was so uh, imagine trying to start from scratch, only doing <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, someone goes, I think I'll try out stand up. <laughs> <laughs> timing right there. Oh, boy. oh my gosh. Beginning and ending in one one show. <laughs> it is weird to think of like all the comedians that might not have started comedy because of the pandemic who never will. And as well as the comedians who, because of the pandemic, like won't start up again, just because either priorities have shifted, life has moved on, they found other things to do. And right. comedy itself isn't really back the way it used to be. Anyway, it's still limping in some fashion. Do you think that like you can go back in a different sense, like as more of a hobbyist slash just another thing you do rather than trying to put all your chips in the, the comic hat? Oh, if if I do. But several nights I've thought about, I was like, okay, tonight I'm going to go to wh whichever open mic. And then by the time it comes around, I'm just like so zonked out. I'm like, I can't be bothered. I mean, that's the whole thing. During COVID, I got used to going to sleep earlier, not going out at all at night. And so I'm just like, why do I even want to do this? <laughs> and then I started thinking, okay, I want to do it because I need that affirmation that I'm funny from strangers. That was the reasoning I came up with. And I thought, I have a few new jokes, but other than that, why do I want to go and tell all my old stuff and just, just to, I don't really want to mingle much, you know? And so it's just like, it's a frightening scenario, Daniel. <laughs> right. The, the cost-benefit analysis has shifted a lot. This it really has. Uh, like, I could go out, and, and it used to be like, oh, I got to pay for parking. I got to wait <laughs> for two or three hours. I got to deal with expensive food and drink. And uh, maybe right? deal with not having my friends there to hang out with or whatever. And that was all enough to make it worth getting some laughs, but now it's like, oh yeah, you could also die of like a high <laughs> You still want that, you still want that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, Boo. down here in Miami, it seems to be quite lively. Well, in all three counties. And I'm just like, I can't even fathom it, but everything is pretty much opened up and it opened up way sooner than everywhere else. And which is fine with, I don't, I don't really care about all of that. But what, what I do care about is staying out late at night. But the other thing I discovered today was most of my comedy is very self-deprecating. Like, and it's become more so just because my mood is so like pessimistic. And I just thought, if I'm being true to who I want to be, do I really want to continue bashing myself in front of groups? You know, I right. thought it can't be very evolutionary for me. And so that was my excuse for not going out tonight. <laughs> I don't know if it's an excuse or if it's true, but that thought came up. I mean, that's a very important road to, to like decide who you are as a performer and as a person. I do remember your jokes being a bit self-deprecating, <laughs> being a bit of like the crazy old lady under a bridge trying to lure men. Um, <laughs> which, let me tell you, it worked. I saw you crush many, many a room. It wasn't too, it was never at the point where people were like, oh, don't say that about yourself. Like we could tell you're obviously spinning a hyperbole here. Um, maybe. All right. Well, maybe. I mean, because. And then sometimes you just go, word. And then the crowd would just like, <laughs> corrupt. Yeah. Um, but is that kind of the stuff? Because I know a lot of 
comedians struggle with like outgrowing their material. And then you have what works in your back pocket, but you become less and less excited about that. And it represents you less and less. Yeah, I've had that experience even before. Well, I'll tell you what, I was, I, I, a few months ago, um, I was on another podcast. We, I signed up for ahead of time. And then I found out I actually had to go to a restaurant and that was like the first time I'd been out at night in like a year and a half. And um, so I went and they said, we're having a comedy show tomorrow night. Why don't you come back and be in it? And I'm like, no, this is way, way too much anyway. I was knocked out because I, I couldn't go to sleep till like one or two that night. And so, but the next day I slept a lot. And then when it came time for the show, I went out and I did it. And I had some new stuff related to the, uh, the pandemic and whatever, but I had to rely on some old stuff. And I didn't like that I had to. I wanted to just have totally up to the moment stuff, you know? But oh, I mean, I know I could come up with it, but who has the time these days? <laughs> <laughs> who has the stage time these days? It's like got a ton of time to come up with it, but no stage time to craft it. Well, I mean, there are tons of open mics here. Yeah, as you said, right? Things are pretty much back to normal there. How has uh, right. how has the Miami scene been to you um, since I left, and in general? Like I said, I had to create my own show in order to think about getting hired anywhere. <laughs> so it, it was a very mixed feeling. I mean, I love comedy and I was miserable because people, you know, I got hired a little from comics that knew me, but the big clubs basically told me they didn't want me pretty much. So. Really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't get much love from the big clubs either, which is just the improv down there. It's like not a big Yeah, club. there's only one big club. <laughs> yeah. But um, how has running your own show been? Or how was running your own show? Well, it it was not really running a show. I was just trying to get somebody here different places to let me practice it, basically. And it wasn't doing well. <laughs> but I was like, I just thought, I got I have no other choice right now. I need to make this work. And I was determined to keep going and keep working on it and improve it. And COVID said, no, you're not. <laughs> so forget, just forget. I just felt like I was knocked flat. Mm. And I'm sure many people did. So I, I don't want to sound like my case was a big exception to, you know, but that's what happened with comedy and, and, um, a couple other things that just, you know, some personal interactions that I started doubting if I was even doing that well anyway. Not the worst. You know, you look back to the good times and you're like, were they even good? Was everyone just humoring me and I thought I was humoring them? That is what happened. When that gets in your head, it's you may as well just sign the death warrant because it's really <laughs> over. But of course, then the comedy that's still remaining in your blood says, oh, you're fine. Just go back and start up again. Everything will be great. And then you get it. What a, anyway, I'll tell you what happened that night that I did go back to that place to perform. It went really well, even after not performing for over a year. And that, like I say, and like you know, is the most dangerous thing because then I was like, okay, how do I start fitting this into my schedule again? How do I start staying up late and getting up early for work? I'm, I'm going to make that happen. But then the next time an open mic rolled around was, 
I'm not going out. It's too late. I can't do that. <laughs> so, that motivational shift is something I really can relate to. And even back in Miami, there were nights where in the morning or whatever, I'd be like, okay, tonight I'm going to this mic. And then I'd right? be back and I'd be like, all right, I got to leave in the next half hour to get to this mic. Oh, let me distract myself with something. Oh, it's getting a little late. Uh, it's too late. It's too late, so... <laughs> think about it. okay you know maybe i won't i won't go but next week i'll definitely go to this one because i'll for some reason feel different even though nothing in my life will be different right right for this week i've done that at least twice i wrote down the the mic and then crossed it out and then tonight i have another one written down we'll see one thing that i did because of the comedy void was I had started writing a book and I decided for some, and I can't even conceive how I decided to finish it, but I finished it. And I'm like, this is so unlike me. <laughs> I'm holding yes, it. Yes, I did. Ah, there you go. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. But yes, tell us about <laughs> this book. You started it. Tell us why you started it. And then tell us why you're so surprised that you finished it. <laughs> well, okay. The first story that you're kind of looking at right now is called The Elevator. And I wrote that because I lived in this apartment building and one of the, it had two elevators and one of them was always broken. So the other one was always like jam packed with people getting on and, you know, they, they could only fit in this one elevator. Mm -hmm. And so at the time I made this comic strip and I put it in the elevator. You knew your audience there. Yeah. And everybody loved it because they're like, yeah, this is what happens. <laughs> so I can't, I could show you the comic strip if you want. I have it on the wall, but it might take me a minute to, but the thing is that was in the eighties. Like, um, about to begin like 81, 82, something like that. So that's almost 40 years ago. And then through the years, I at one point or another thought, well, that would make a good book on its own. And so I redrew the whole thing to fit into a book size. And then right before COVID, I was like, that's not going to fit the size that I need. So I had to redraw the whole thing again. It took really? me forever. And I don't know. I just said, just take one page at a time. Don't worry. It'll be done. It'll be over with soon. <laughs> so then I, somebody said they would publish it. And I was like, whoa, that's great. And I showed them the book and they go, that is so short. It, you can't do a book that short. <laughs> not the adjective you were hoping to hear. No, that was not the adjective I was looking for. Brilliant. Genius. <laughs> profound. Um, okay. But they want more. Yeah. So that's good. You know, it wasn't too long. <laughs> it wasn't too long, that's for sure. So, um... I had been drawing cartoons when COVID started. I started drawing all these things about my different jobs. And I had a, a job um, answering the COVID call center hotline. And it, that was, that's in the book. And my other job, inspections. And I talk a tiny bit about comedy, not much. Yeah, I want to I'll touch on that later. Probably still mad at it. <laughs> But, right, I wasn't sure how much of it to expect in the book of your life. But there's a bit more about inspecting. What, which we, what, you were a house inspector? What was the official, like? Um, it's, it's insurance inspections, and it's for businesses and homes. Mm. So, but the reason is I'm doing that still. You know, I'm doing that still, and I'm, I just haven't done comedy for a while. But the thing, um, so I, after I talked to this guy, I thought, you know what, 
I'm going to just start grabbing all the comics that I had done and try to put them all together. And then I, I branched out to include more of my life, like with my parents and with stuff beforehand and traveling and whatever. And I had a couple people look at the book to make sure it didn't, wasn't too horrible. And somehow it didn't work out with that publisher. He, he wasn't that into the idea because he had never done cartoons as a book and he didn't know how to do it really. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it on Amazon. I mean, yeah. whatever. So that's what I did. And for, for your viewers, <laughs> I have a special going on now. It's $5.99 for the paperback and $2.99 for the ebook. Yeah. So where's that available? Amazon. Look under the title and you'll find it. So it's flashing on the screen now. There you go. Everyone go to Amazon.com. Get that Why Wait Lap Now book by Pam Bruno. Or there you go. Get it before I take it down again. I'll tell you what happened. So what happened was I had gotten 20, 20 reviews, I think. And they were all five star. And I got a couple more just... Um, ratings of five star and I looked one night and there was a, like an extra number because you know I'm so OCD about it I knew the exact number of uh, reviews and ratings and I'm like oh great another review and I looked and my I wasn't at five stars anymore and somebody and it wasn't even someone who had bought the book because it it didn't say verified buyer somebody had given me a one-star rating. And I was like, heartbroken. I couldn't believe it. And so I just unpublished both of my books immediately. <laughs> Why? Because of one bad review out of 20? That's such a stand-up comedy move right there. Ignore all the people who love you for the one person who hates you. <laughs> Try and win them. I didn't want to risk it getting anybody writing something or even more bad reviews and so I was like then I went on this other podcast and I told them about it and she goes you have got to put it back on again so on that podcast I put it back good I was going to echo that sentiment like oh. no on the internet bad reviews are inevitable and in fact it's going to add to the controversy to the engagement and people go, oh, everyone says, oh, one person says it's bad. That's intriguing. I got to know why that person says it's bad. Purchase. Really? Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Well, what she said was that if it's all five stars, then she thinks that, that the person paid people to write five-star reviews. That's an excellent point. It looks suspicious if it's just a bunch of everyone loving it. I mean, but one, did they have to be that, like, extreme? <laughs> it sounds like they is someone in your personal life who maybe has a vendetta against you and didn't read. Well, I honestly had that thought there. They didn't want to be known, but you can be anonymous. You can make up a name when you put a review, but somebody saw that I had put, and believe me, even though I have this really harmless persona, I have a lot of enemies. I have, enemies and i'm i mean enemies what, what not, not enemies that would want to maybe kill me maybe but not to kill but they don't definitely actively do not like me well we're going to show no love to the haters we hope they, that they can find their way and realize that's right i hope they find their way and daniel see this is the whole thing about this pandemic is i feel it was an opportunity to dig deep into my soul and get all that crap out. Like, believe me, I had my share of hating towards people. And I had to, I'm definitely not like perfected in that yet, but I really had to work hard to not, not still hold on to grudges and being upset with people for whatever they did 
because I heard myself telling people, oh, they stole money from me or they did this or that. And it didn't, it just sounded like this really yucky me. Like, why do I have to talk about what somebody quote unquote did making me like some sad victim? Why don't I address that and see what's going on inside myself that would attract that behavior over and over and over and over <laughs> for the last 30 some years, if not my whole life. And so that's been a big journey. And I've come up with a lot of major ahas towards why my life goes in certain directions. And even as far as comedy, I can't blame people for not hiring me because I put off this vibe of like not deserving to make it in this world. Mm. And I don't want to go too deep and depressing, but oh, that's it's not really. <laughs> huh? That's what we're here for, so get it out. Oh, good. But the thing about it is it's all really cool because the more layers you peel off, then you go, okay, there's no real reason except that at some point in my life, I started believing this for whatever reason. And I'm, that's the part I'm trying to go back in. And mm. I did have one interesting kind of a therapy session where I was able to see way back that it's like I overheard my parents saying how hard it was going to be since I was born financially. And that it was such a weird sensation because that made me feel like, oh, I better not ask for much or want much or, or I much. don't deserve much. Right. And I've carried that forever. And I don't know if they really said it or not, but I know I've felt it, you know. And so I'm just hoping that I clear all that out in time before I actually croak because, you know. It would be fun to experience something other than that. <laughs> That's huge work that you're doing. And you did mention earlier off camera, you hadn't done hallucinogens since, was it 69? And uh, I think 69 it was, I, which is very appropriate. Those That was the summer of 69. <laughs> so the famous, it's a famous summer. I know. The, uh, it sounds like you, the, the, the way you've been digging deep is very similar to the way many people like will take a hallucinogen under the right circumstances and start really digging back into their past and connecting dots and recognizing patterns that keep repeating until you break them, that kind of stuff. Wow, that's very cool. I'm, my experience wasn't exactly that. I only took two different times and I found out that that was a, an exception because I never... I guess it was a girl thing, but I never paid for drugs. Well, I didn't, I didn't have the desire for them that much. So if someone offered me, then I was like, oh, okay, you know, but so two times I took mescaline. And um, I know that the guys that I hung out with were tripping all the time because they talked about it, but I was only around during those two times and I took it. And the first time was like very mind blowing and opening and awareness of a lot of things. And then also coming down from it was very frightening. The second time was a little more like even the whole time, but I don't remember consciously what I learned from it. Just that when I looked at things, they were definitely not as they seemed in regular life. They seemed like there was some life to even like stones and whatever was around me, which is kind of cool because I, I've come to believe that there is life in everything. You know, it's not even inert objects somehow got there through somebody's consciousness. So there's something in it. Who knows? And it's, it's on, it was on this planet, so it's all got to be some sort of life form. I don't know. What do I know? I know nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
<laughs> you're, it's your experience. That's all, you're, it's completely valid. <laughs> what you've come up with. The, um, but I, you know, I was just parallel, making a parallel that like the work you've been doing is similar to that and you don't need drugs to do it. A lot of, you know, therapy and examination and hard, hard thinking and being nice. Well, I also, yourself. I've been doing TM since 1971. Really? Transcendental meditation, and I, I've been—I started teaching it again for a while, but um, I sort of—I'm sort of retired from teaching it. But that has really helped me a lot to right. have an inward kind of view of things. Most people try to meditate and can't can't keep it up for more than a week or two. Well, here's my teacher role coming out, but the thing about it that I discovered. And it's true. I thought I couldn't do it either. And, but when you learn it, you find out it's very simple. Anybody could do it. So, hmm. yeah, really, that, because my, um, my cousin learned it, and she told me about it. And I'm like, I'm not the meditating type. I couldn't even sit that long. She goes, you would be surprised. And I was, really it's, you, you can go really deep really quickly. So, would you recommend in any case, people in the world of comedy or anyone listening get into it? I recommend it for everybody, really, because it, it really helps you get rid of stress. I mean, you get a really deep state of rest from it, and it gets rid of stress that even sleep doesn't get rid of. So, it's, it's, it's profound, I'll tell you. Um, cool. And it's on a sliding scale now. So if you can't afford whatever, there's different prices depending on what your income is. So it's pretty, pretty reasonable. Accessible. Well, anyone yeah. out there who wants to jumpstart into some TM, definitely hit up him. Another marketing. Buy the book. Do the classes. Sign up for the life coaching and the juice cleanse. It's a whole. I know. That's a. I don't know why, but my whole life I've had several different professions going on at once, and I was going to make a business card that had like five parts. Yeah, there is. That doesn't even. It doesn't even cover it all. I was going to make this business card, and it, at the top it was going to going to go. You must need me for something. And then it's, here's Bold what I can out. do. <laughs> I like that. That's like seven layers of business. Partial list of jobs, door-to-door -door sales, popcorn, and fake flowers. Fake. That's when we were kids. We did that. We started yeah. young. Fake flowers, just like decorative. They were plastic flowers that had fake, like they had like perfume in them. So they smelled like flowers. A waitress, babysitter, parking lot attendant, telemarketer. Encyclopedia sales, editor proofreader, MLMs, oh my God, Trans TM teacher, insurance agent, insurance inspector, technical recruiter, a couple commercials as an actor, massage therapist, craniosacral therapist, freelance writer, driver, people, and food, real estate investor, and a stand up, a comedian. <laughs> missing a few, you said, but that's quite a list of things you've done. Yes. Successful at almost none of them. <laughs> I'd love to see that on a business card that just unfolds. You, must you know what? Something. Success is a, is a relative term. I got a lot of life lessons out of all of it. Mm. Those are priceless. I guess. You can't pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Things we've talked about what comedy has taken. What things have com has comedy given you? Comedy, what it has given me? Well, um, writing and performing, I know, and this is probably going to sound ridiculous to younger people, but from a geezer perspective, <laughs> it has helped me to keep my brain very sharp. And that's the other reason I started thinking maybe I should just go out and do it because I've seen people my age and even younger who they're, let's say, not quite as alert, maybe. And it may, I honestly 
feel like I do have some kind of, um, what's the word, propensity towards it. <laughs> I just, I just like it. And when it works, it makes, made me really happy. And, you know, it works a few times here and there. It works more than enough times for you to believe that it does work. <laughs> well, back at, back at you too. So, <laughs> and I made a lot of good friends that I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> but so that's how you know they're good friends is that you can see them and pick up where you left off. Pretty much. It's true. And that's the thing about comedy. There's something that all comedians seem to understand about life. And that's why we can pick up with each other and continue. It's just that there's just some common thread that we have. And um, I don't know. It, it, I like it. That's, I like that. I like the camaraderie. Is that how you say it? It's comedy. Comedy, 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 Sounds like a new show we're starting. Comedy, comedy, You stand up in tandem with another comedian who only helps. He hikes your jokes up there. You help each other. Yeah, that's a good idea. When I first started, I used to wear sequin um, jackets or tops all the time. Somebody thing. told me that, and I used props a lot until I got definitely shamed. So, isn't that messed up? Damn, you got because I knew people would get shamed for using guitars, for using props, like, and it, it comes from you know, like, I mean, I'm sort of glad it happened. It's, yeah. But on the other hand, it's sort of like, why don't you just mind your own business kind of thing? Because I guess that some people need to hear that. But, you know, what if someone had said that's a carrot top and we lost a once in a lifetime talent? Right. Right. Bully them out of props. Right. I mean, it did sharpen my comedy went by not relying on that. Yeah. But sometimes my brain would still think, and, oh, what would offset this? And I thought it was hilarious, but I'm glad that I didn't continue with it. <laughs> right. It is sometimes those are the things that, like, maybe you draw that, and that's a comic, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when you come up with a funny idea, and you're like, is that good for stand-up or would that be better in a scene or a comic or like what's right. the funniest expression of this idea oh that is funny i could do a whole comic thing of all the props i used to use new comic and, and huh new comic and the liberace jackets i used to wear <laughs> i would love i mean drawing sequence sounds like a big task so i don't want to yeah, well, I could draw the lines coming out of it like it's shining. <laughs> Lots of little circles. Uh, do you have a website where, like, you could post comics that you make just one-offs, and then maybe, like, once you get enough of them, you turn them into a book, like a lot of people do? Um, I do have a website. Right now, I, I haven't put any recent things except for my book, but... Um, that, that's the other thing. If people want a signed copy of my book, they can't get it from Amazon, but they can get it from my website. You know, I say this now. I am. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, so my website is pambruno.com. Big surprise, right? <laughs> you got it. You don't want to .net it. You got the real deal. Yeah, well, nobody, I didn't know any others at the time. I got it when in 2009, I think. Well, are you, I saw that you were planning to get up again. Did you go? Did you get up? I went up twice, uh, like now, maybe one or two months, probably two two months ago now at this point. Um, it's just become a thing that is less of a priority for me. Uh. So, like, Work has been crazy. We've been understaffed, and I'm in this new job where I'm a manager of a restaurant for the first time, and that's oh, that's cool, cool and stuff. 
but it's also, you know, a, a job I've been avoiding for over a decade when I was a waiter and a cook because... Oh, to uh, be a manager, you mean? Yeah. Because uh, more responsibility and oftentimes less pay, and it keeps you from doing comedy more than, you know, being a flexible waiter or something. Oh. Um, and, you know, yeah, just trying to exercise, figuring out how to propose to my now fiance. Uh, like all of these things are like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can't go out to comedy tonight, you know, and it's, I'm not beating myself up about it the way I, no. as I used to so badly. Like, what are you doing, Daniel? You're wasting it. Now, the, the whole, the gift and all the time you spend and the, this and right. you could have done it. And if you had just spent all this time, you'd already be there a million ways. Um, but it's, it bothers me less now, but I do feel sad. Like when I see the scene doing stuff and I, I get that fear, that FOMO fear of missing out. You know, right. The scene yeah. on. But every time I go out, people are nice, even though in my head, I'm like thinking that they're going to look at me with disdain because I'm this interloper who like, isn't fully committing to the craft the way everyone else is. But no, but you like, know what? You're nice. That's none of their business. <laughs> it's not you know you have to decide what you want and need and your life is valuable and whatever you decide to do with it that's your life it's like each life is like a work of art and you said it really well about how okay maybe comedy becomes the main part of it or it becomes like a little accent here and who knows? It's it's still going on, and maybe at some point it'll be like, now is exactly the right time to do this. I wouldn't have been ready before. Who knows? You never know. That's what makes it kind of exciting, too. And, you know, you don't lose it. I don't think you do at all. It's like riding a bike better because, you know, your mind keeps the stuff in all of your perceptions get sharper as you go so when you decide to put it into comedy if you do and if you don't it doesn't matter either but if you do you haven't lost anything these guys who were i think they were prisoners of war or something but this one guy was a golfer and he couldn't couldn't play for whatever reason i don't remember for years but every day he pictured hole in one, whatever shot. And the next time he played, he, his game was way better than it used to be. Huh. It's the, to, totally the, a different concept. <laughs> no, it's the same concept. It's skill, skill stagnation, or, you know? Like yeah. How is it like riding a bike? And right, it is nice to think that comedy is, and not only that, you're going to be better at it because you'll be a more, more you, you. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And you'll bring that, whatever you've gained from life, into it, you know? Right. You'll have more substance than you did. I mean, you always had substance, but you'll have even more, more wisdom. Well, so speaking of wisdom, what advice would you give to newer comedians? And what advice would you wish you had gotten? You know, somebody told me the worst vice is advice, but I like to give it anyway. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I used to do when I was fairly new. I um, would go to the clubs and like the big clubs and, and watch the really famous comedians. I try to do that every weekend. So I go to Palm Beach, not when I still lived in Iowa. This is after I had moved back to Florida. By <laughs> a commute, yeah. In, in Iowa, there was like nothing going on at all. But anyway, so I would afterwards ask the, the comedians who had like made it and I mean, really made it. I just say, I'm starting out, what advice would you give? 
And they, it all boiled down to three things. Keep writing. Get on stage as much as you possibly can. And don't give up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one other thing, too, is don't listen to advice. And the thing about it, meaning... A lot of people will say, oh, you should change this or that about your act. You decide what you should or shouldn't change. You know, that's um, mm -hmm. because I had a ton of people, well, a ton, felt like a ton to me. I mean, I unpublished my book after one one-star review because <laughs> that felt like a ton of bad reviews. <laughs> but Wilting flower. <laughs> but I, okay, let's say a few people said to me, you need more energy in your act. You, you need to be more upbeat and more. And I was like, I tried it, but it, no matter how much I tried, this is like me going full force energy on this podcast, which is to most people's subdued. You know, it's like put you just, I was on a phone call with somebody last night and she outright fell asleep while I was talking. And so I'm just like, <laughs> You're soothing, Pam. You're very therapeutic. I guess soothing is is the is the nicer word than boring. <laughs> Maybe this is a new career where you can help out insomniacs or something. That's it. I'm I'm actually actively looking for a career now at my age. I turned 71 last in May, so I'm halfway to 72. Again, never too late to engage in something new. Uh, I would. I am curious to know though how. Like, what was it like being a bit older than the rest of the people you were hanging out with? Um, I started feeling older than these people who are like in their young twenties and stuff. Right. We, you know, I was in my twenties when we were hanging out, and uh, it was late nights, and you know, some rowdy rowdy people what what do you think that like what stands out for you during that time about you know just kind of like being wiser and in kind of a different place than maybe a lot of the people or not or not even because i don't know there's this commonality among stand-ups that kind of transcends all that stuff it, that's that was the main thing i felt right. because you know i find that people my age usually hang out with people my age and it it shows you know mm -hmm. now i hang out with no one so i don't know who i'm acting now, like nothing counts everyone's lost their social graces at this oh point. my goodness but the thing is um i found that it really kept my perspective sharp and i didn't i didn't notice the age difference except you know, I know I didn't get invited to do certain things and this and that. It was, I actually, like I said, I gave up drugs when I actually, that was when I started to meditate because I didn't feel I needed them anymore. And I had similar experiences some of the time, but um, I wasn't expecting to be like popular in their crowd or anything, but everyone was always very nice to me and you know yeah. sometimes people asked me advice which was sort of flattering even though you know i was like i don't know any more than you you'll probably get more work than i do so so there <laughs> that doesn't mean nothing you get all the work and have no advice no good things to say that that's been one of the harder things is like realizing that the funniest people you'll meet aren't necessarily the most successful and the people who deserve it aren't necessarily going to get it even if they're doing all the right things it's just showbiz it is showbiz it's and, showbiz and, and basically i'm thinking if you did more drugs in miami you would have got more shows and would have made it probably if you'd just been like the let's let's do blow all night uh, i think you missed a real opportunity there sorry about that um, well, you know, I might, I might already be dead though. So that <laughs> Ooh, great point. either way, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> Go out like a Belushi style or something. All right. 
really that's like right that. od <laughs> oh gosh well you know either way it is i'm, th- I'm gonna say something totally stupid it is what it is and the thing about it i what i hope to gain from all of it is taking responsibility for myself whatever happened and not to say oh so and so didn't give me this chance or i didn't you know i don't want to blame anybody for anything that happened to me including that one guy that stole all the money from me i'm still blaming him a little but yeah. you know <laughs> that's cuz that was more recent but the thing is i'll get over that he obviously needed it more for whatever reason You're in his demented life no never mind i'm sorry <laughs> his poor pitiful existence <laughs> maybe i do need to do some comedy just you know that was a nice way of releasing things if something was bothering me that really helped maybe i should go do it just for therapy purposes right reshift the the priorities of it to be completely personal with the you know making the yeah. laugh and getting successful later down the list Yeah, cuz I did have a couple of like um relationship experiences and they were so dismal that I could just like blow them out of my system by just, you know, talking all about it. And yeah, they ended up being quite hilarious, so It's true, you know, the funniest stuff always ends up being closer to reality. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I like to ask is uh what what are when we kind of like touched on but like I like to go over a regret or something that you're still holding on to and we'll try and soothe it and put it to bed. Stand up comedy regret. And then I couldn't make a living at it. Mm. Even even not you know my first desire was to become this big famous comedian sure and become rich and famous then i dropped off the famous part and now i dropped off the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know a lot of people say though if you depend on it for your living then it takes the joy out of it so i say i've already had the joy taken out of it for me <laughs> you didn't even have to be successful. That's okay. Way to cut a step out. <laughs> that is a that's a huge one. And I think a lot of comedians can relate to that. And the idea I I hate to say but just like everything else it's harder to be a comedian these days and make a living than it used to be. Mike with a lot of jobs and I mean every one of us knows comedians who appear successful and they are insurance adjusters or teachers or anything else and it's becoming I mean and let alone like comedians have writing you know people who've made it in comedy are writing for television shows or uh, yeah involved in some other aspects that supplements their income so like And I can agree too. I remember when I went from wanting to be George Carlin to just wanting to make a living and like it is uh a little I'd say it's more unfair of a bar to put on yourself than ever. Right. Right. Well, I have no bars. <laughs> Now I've got zero bars. I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. You know, um I did give up for a little bit um When my dad died, I stopped doing it for a couple of years. That was um in the early 2000 and then somebody convinced me to go to an open mic. And I I had the thought, you know what? Why not just leave that as my bar just to go to open mics and not expect to have something come of it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, one thing leads to another and somebody asks you to do a show and then this and then you start thinking, 
whoa, I need to like really make something happen. And, um, you know, I think, I think, um, that whole idea of if you're not, if you don't have expectations, then you're not disappointed. I actually made a joke about that when I said, I believe that a, a low grade level of disappointment is healthy in your life. So I have a lot of expectations. <laughs> I, love it. it's very I mean, on the other hand, people say never give up on your dreams. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I won't, but maybe my dreams will have to change. <laughs> right. So if your dreams are, ultimately leading you to be unhappy. Right, then you have to reconsider what, what those dreams are about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, if you know, there's even more emphasis on it today with some, you know, Instagram famous and influencers and people just- Oh, sure. Oh my gosh, I have to compare myself to everybody's, everybody's, posts, you know. How's your TikTok? I don't even, I'm not even on it. About time. You're, you're the next TikTok, TikTok star? It's please, please <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I am the next insurance inspector earning somewhat of a living at it. <laughs> that is to be accomplished in this day and age. Especially in Florida. That I think I can handle. Not to shit on Miami, which I sometimes accidentally do on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's harder to make a living down there as a comedian than it is in other places. Oh, really? Just that there's fewer gigs. There's fewer, there's less uh -huh. infrastructure and comedy, like community where people know, like, I want to see it here. I want to see it there. There's less demand for comedy because there's so many other arts going on there. Oh. have to search out a little bit more and whereas in a city a comedy city like denver or you know the others people oh. are more cultured the, the the audiences seek out comedy they know comedy they enjoy good comedy and they can tell the difference a little better oh yeah interesting i think wow just some thoughts just so that you know we're, i've had no no means of comparison you know I got one out of town job and it was my first featuring out of, out of this area. And I tanked so badly that, um, I quit again for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, if you get a punch card, you're about to earn your free sandwich. Quit coming back. I, th I swear, the longer you're in comedy, the more times you quit, like for everybody. Oh, well, that's good to know. <laughs> it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Pam, what a wonderful time and conversation. It's been really fun getting to catch up with you. And yes, Daniel. Everything. I feel the same. I'm, I'm, it's hap I'm happy to see an old friend after all these years. Any any final thoughts or musings? Definitely everyone check out pambruno.com and go to Amazon and get Why Wait Laugh Now, a hilarious and charming cartoon comic. Don't book. give me one one star though, or it's you might I might kill myself. I don't know. <laughs> Anything under four stars, she's gonna have a crisis. So please be kind. Not <laughs> I'm not trying to bribe people to give me a lot of stars, but just emotionally bribing. Think, think about it before you do it. Click <laughs> yeah. means a lot. Uh, so check those out. Uh, final words? Final words. Don't blame anybody else for anything that's happening to you. <laughs> and on the positive side, I've been hearing this a lot lately from motivational speakers. Life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. So anything that's happening, 
look into it and just start asking questions like, okay, what do I, what am I trying to learn? What am I trying to show myself in this situation? And it always brings you some little spark of insight. So it's very cool. I like that. That is reframing is huge. Yeah. Like, yes, I don't have yes. to do this. I get to do this. I get to that's, I love that. Oh, what a perfect, perfect note uh, to end this on. Um, and then also as advice for everybody, remember if you're going back to stand up, don't do the new material first. Stand up between an old, <laughs> an old joke or two. Like no shame in that. No shame. It's always the, of the two times I went back recently, the first time I went straight with the new material and was pretty much dud for most of it. Oh. Second time I told like one or two oldies first, had a much better time. Much oh, better. good. That's good to remember. <laughs> That's going to be my sign off from now on. And remember, if you're doing new jokes, do some shitty old ones first. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks again. You're great. Thank you, uh, Daniel. Check it out. And we'll see you next time, next episode. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye. Thank you.